0: Hello everyone. I'm here with Nanda Devi from Ananda Village. Hello, Nanda Devi. How nice Hello, you? Asha.
1: Nice
0: to Nanda, see you. Nanda Devi today is working at Crystal Hermitage, so she's actually broadcasting from the living room of the apartment where Swami lives. So this is sort of gives us a special treat. You can see the picture on the wall in some of that lovely room. When this COVID epidemic ends, those of you who are able, you can come visit. Ananda Village, and you can visit Swami's room there. This being the day after his birthday, it's especially nice to be there. Okay, Nanda Devi. So talk to me a little bit about where you grew up and what your life was
1: like before you became a disciple. Mm -hmm. So I am from Argentina originally, and um, i grew up in a catholic family basically Uh, especially my mom not everybody in my family was you know dedicated to the path the catholic church is the main you know religion at least in argentina and so um, somewhere along the path my mom um, you know she was going to a catholic church and something awakened in her and so she decided to dedicate more of her time to, you know, study the teachings through the church. And so by the time I came to her life, you know, we had a pretty devout, you know, family, you know, lifestyle. And she taught me how to pray. She taught me, you know, how to sort of, you know, keep the image of Jesus sort of in my life. And at one point, um, you know, she started to have questions, you know, that, uh, were not being answered through the church, you know, and her relationship, you know, with her own spirituality and the things that the church were was able to give her. So, you know, from going to church on Sundays and stuff, we started, you know, we sort of stopped doing all that. Um, but... How old were you when she stopped? I must have been around, I want to say... 11 because i remember you know taking the communion
0: uh-huh.
1: you know at, you know with my church because i always also went to the same co- uh, school that she went to which was uh-huh. a, a nun you know run by nuns uh-huh. right across the street from my house so it was really easy to get to school
0: uh-huh. um,
1: so uh, yeah so um, after i took communion Um, which was a pretty, you know, dedicated time for myself and for her as my parent to help me prepare for that time. Um, I guess it gave her the opportunity to see that she had more questions that she thought she had. And it's like some things are not making sense, you know, because you know, we can, not how can I prove that this path is real for me? You know, I feel devotion, I feel um, some sort of connection, but she wasn't able to deepen that. And I think there was no way for her, um, and no support really, you Mm -hmm. know, from the church that would tell her how she could deepen that sense of connectedness that she was already feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, so I didn't question why she stopped going to church or why we stopped going to church. I wasn't so, you know, committed. Nine years old, it's or eleven years old, it's like, you know, you're sort of in your social years, you know, hanging out with your friends. Um, I was always very shy, but I wasn't the type of kid that um, you know, questions a lot about things. It wasn't so much in my nature. And so Around the time when I was 17, she found a yoga center. She started to experience some pains in her body, and the doctor told her that she needed to practice yoga. So she found the only center in my small town that was teaching yoga, and so she started taking regular classes, and after about a year, the person running the center, um, which is Nayaswami Mokshananda today Mm -hmm. um, you know invited her to come and practice meditation so You know for whatever reason she did i don't know what exactly you know called to her to go and practice meditation but i remember very distinctively she coming home you know after a long day of work and having been in the class and telling me what type of conversations they would have and what the spiritual path meant within the yoga philosophy and What really struck a chord in me was when she explained to me that it was about changing yourself.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And so that sort of like, wow, that's interesting. You know, I want to be able to change myself. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't really sure what that meant. I wasn't, you know, going through my thoughts or my feelings about it. I didn't know what that meant to change myself, but I remember the feelings of within myself thinking that if I could be a better better version of myself, I wanted wanted to do it. Uh So after a short while, I started attending the meditation classes as well.
0: So you weren't motivated by any anguish, you weren't suffering, you weren't really desperate for a change, it just sort of came into your life, you thought it was a good idea? And then you sailed off to do
1: it, okay. Yes, I had a pretty normal life, childhood. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I was at that time a teenager with, you know, her own bubbles and idea, Mm -hmm. idyllic ideas of the world and not, you know, coming to a point also in my life where I needed to decide what to do. You know, I was finishing high school, getting ready to begin college, Mm -hmm. and I just didn't know you know, I I had no idea what to do, but it wasn't like something heavy in my brain. Mm-hmm. Uh, my family situation has always been, you know, pretty supportive in general. Mm-hmm. My mom is the person that I've always had a closer relationship to, even more than my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could, I guess you could say that I didn't have the greatest relationship with my dad back then. You know, I was a pretty feisty um, mm-hmm. <laughs> teenager, you know, and um not always rebelling against, you know, what I was being told to do, but I wanted an explanation. Mm. And if I didn't get, it's like an explanation of why I should do things the way they're being asked of me, you know, it's like, no, I need an explanation, you know? So that could lead to some sort of uh, disharmony with my dad, especially. Um, but that was it. That was, you could say, probably the most um, in, in harmony that I've, disharmony that I felt you know within my family. Um, so, but then, yeah. Go ahead. So then you went with your mother to the
0: meditation class. Yeah. And did you immediately so you're set so you're 17 and you go to the meditation class. Yeah. Was he presenting Yogananda as part
1: of the meditation at that time or no? No, not back there. He was at that point a disciple of Master. Uh-huh. Um, he had come to master through SRF basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the way that it was set, it was M- master's picture was always around the center mm-hmm. and he would, you know, tell people who master, you know, picture who he was and why he was there. But, um, the approach to the approach that he had at that point of teaching meditation was Different from what we know from Ananda today, so it wasn't until many years later when we became Ananda that the, the the shape and the structure of how you know he taught meditation and then how we taught meditation at the center changed, so it was more of an Indian you know the Indian approach to meditation and you know pranayamas and. So did you like it? Did you take to it right away? Right away, Asha. It was like there was no question in my mind that that was what I, what I wanted to do. Um, and so I began taking the meditation classes mm-hmm. and, I don't know, something awakened within me that I love this. I love going home and finding a place to, where to meditate and just, you know, doing these practices. I, Totally, you know, went into it. And I was, you know, doing my regular practice every single day. Um, So it wasn't difficult at all. The beginning for me of my meditation practice, my meditation path, was almost seamless. The challenges came years after. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting. (laughs) Yeah, Master gave me, I've always felt that, you know, what people say about, you know, the devotee goal gives you the candy right in the beginning to make you all excited about it. And, uh-huh. and then right when you're set on the path, and it's like, okay, you really want this. Okay. Now you have to prove it.
0: Uh-huh. Very good. So there you are in Argentina. Did you go on to university, even though you have, now you have the meditation center and you're just, now you're meditating every day, but you also went on and, and went to college after that still.
1: Yeah. So It was a good thing that I started meditation right at that point where I didn't know what to do uh, because that was, that's when sort of the challenges in my personal life began. The one, the first thing was, you know, what do I want to do in life? You know, even to this day, if you ask me, what do you see yourself doing in life? It's like, I have no idea. Like, I don't know. I, I just know that I, that this is my path. And that's pretty much all I know about my life <laughs> that I want to do. It's like, what do I do externally? I don't know. I've always admi- admired those people that know from the very beginning, they wanna be a doctor or they wanna work at a school or they want to be a librarian. the that, that mm-hmm. people know what to do in life. So I did go to college. I thought I wanted to become a vet. So I went to college to, you know, try to pursue that. It didn't last long. It lasted for two years, Mm -hmm. only enough for me to get me sort of to the threshold of the career when I decided that I loved animals, but I didn't want to operate on them or to have to treat them. Mm -hmm. And so around that time when it seemed like that wasn't the right choice, I decided to become an English translator. Mm -hmm. So I said, well, I was going to you know, as a private institute to learn English. My teacher there was a translator. So I thought I would try translation because it seemed like language came a little bit easier for me. But I I wasn't sure that that was, you know, my path either. It just was something else that seemed like a possibility. So I went to college for another three years to become an English translator. But the more the time progressed, you know, in those years in college, I was also becoming more involved with the yoga center. Mm-hmm. So alongside doing college, I was also becoming a yoga instructor instructor mm-hmm. in in the center and even began to teach meditation a little bit, you mm-hmm. know, there. And I was, you know, being with people all the time, with students, you know, I was at the secretary just welcoming people for different classes. So my life there became more involved. And it seemed really strong in me that that's what I wanted to pursue. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So after, you know, those three years in college where I was also developing my life at the center, it really became clear that college just wasn't what I wanted to do. Going to college was really, really challenging. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I decided to drop it and to dedicate my full time to the center there. And that's what I did.
0: Mm-hmm. So yeah. when did, when did um, Swami Kriyananda come into the picture for you?
1: Okay, so um, we were, at that point when I decided to drop college and dedicate my life to the center, we were trying to give the center, which at that point the center was only a yoga and meditation center. Mm-hmm dedicating to you know teaching the philosophy of yoga and we had master was the guru but there wasn't any formality around or or a structure you could say so at one point mokshananda the person running the center decided that you know it feels right to become to dedicate this center to paramahansa yogananda which is our master so why not try and see if that happens? so he tried uh, going through SRF and see if they would take it, and we could become an SRF center, but that didn't you know it just it wasn't meant to happen so since that didn't succeed, he started looking online for what other options are there you know to represent master and somehow he found Swami he had always known of Swami all along, but you know, the main picture had always been SRF. So he started researching about Swami a little bit more. And somehow he became in touch with Lakshman, who at that point was his personal assistant. uh, Lakshman gave him Swami's personal email. And all of a sudden, he's emailing personally with Swami back and forth. And this is the year 2009 coming into 2010 so did, yes.
0: you, did you then go to America to meet Swamiji in 2009
1: that's right so yeah actually we we made a trip in 2010 uh, and this was all through Mokshananda's researching about Swami and Ananda so 2010 uh, Swami said why don't you come and visit Ananda and see if this is in tune with what you want to do um, so a small group of us came for the first time we were going to do a pilgrimage around la to you, you know know the ananda ashram at the time there and then go visit you know the places where master had lived and then the last two weeks of the trip we came to ananda village and bhaktimar who is the church of the spanish ministry gave us a tour of the whole community and so almost right away, especially for Mokshananda, uh, felt right away that this was home. You know, we met Swami in L.A. At that point, Swami was doing a series of lectures in downtown L.A. Did, did he make an impression on you when you first met him, Nanda Devi? Did
0: he... You know, it's
1: very interesting. We had, uh, we had the blessing to have a, a personal visit with him at his house in L.A. Mm-hmm. And he greeted us and I remember, you know, I remember feeling a lot of um peace around him. Mm-hmm. And I remember the four of us sat down on the floor at his feet and he started talking in Spanish for about forty-five minutes. Mm-hmm. He was in a mix of Spanish and Italian.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, you know, him speaking, I think he was at the time of his life where he was, you know, really becoming more inward and that relationship with Master was flourishing even more outward than we could see normally. I remember pouring down, crying while he was speaking and I didn't know why. I mean, I knew, you know, that this was a direct disciple of Master, mm-hmm. but there was something about his energy. It was He was talking and I was crying all the time. and. It didn't click. I, I just couldn't see, you know, on a conscious level, what was happening at that time. I don't, I don't even think that I, I was appreciating that I was in front of a direct disciple or have any idea of who Swami was. I had only heard his name, you know, before meeting him. And here I am right now at his feet and he's giving us a personal, you know, interview. In
0: your own language.
1: In 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 our own language. You know, he's making this effort to speak and, you know, to touch our hearts, you know, Uh putting out this loving energy. So even to this day, I don't think I know if I can truly appreciate, you know, what was that. But it was a very special time that I hold very dear in my heart because, you know, that was the only time that I was able to meet him you know we went back to Argentina after our visit here and Swami passed in 2012 we came back in 2013 so that was our only chance to even have any contact with him
0: Nanda Devi I'm going to skip a little bit here I know that at one of your trips to Ananda Village you met the man you married Sundara yes did you meet him on that first trip or was it
1: no, I don't think it was ever clear to us that he was at the village when we visited. Uh-huh. Um, I didn't know him at the time. I, did, you know, I didn't know anybody at Ananda when I came in 2010. But I don't even remember crossing paths with him. Uh-huh. We visited every single department at Ananda and we met probably almost every single person that visit that there was. <laughs> but you know sandra travels a lot around the world for sharing nature Uh so um he's pretty sure that he was at ananda village when we visited but our paths never crossed we were not meant to i guess know each other then. so yeah so you so you
0: met swami in los angeles and had that remarkable Mm -hmm. sort of unfathomable experience You go back to Argentina, but then in 2013, now Swami's already passed. You come back to Ananda village.
1: How long did you stay when you came back the second time? So the second time I came, um, actually that second visit, I wasn't even planning on coming. Um, I had come to a point, so there was a lot of turmoil by the second time when I came Uh inwardly, my own, you know, spiritual life was okay, I could say, but I had a lot of emotions going on. I think those years of practice meditation and dedicating myself more, you know, fully to the path, allow for some karmic, you know, seeds to sprout and be able to pull them out. And so, but by the time 2013 came i had made the very clear decision within myself that i wanted to be happy that i had the blessing to be on a spiritual path that i needed to take advantage of it and basically i just didn't want to suffer anymore inwardly you know nobody else was causing me the you know any harm it was myself the the intake that i had Upon the things that I thought were happening to me, you know I just I just felt like something needed to happen I not, something needed to change in my life, and I didn't know what that was going to look like, what was going to help that change happen um, but I, w- I felt really strongly that I was done with feeling that way i From now on, I want to be happy and so two thousand and thirteen that was I think we came in October or November, if I'm not mistaken. So the idea, you know, from 2010 to 2013, three years elapsed, and our relationship on a distance with Ananda flourished even more, and we decided why not have an Ananda community in Argentina, but how do we make it happen? So the second trip, the purpose of that trip was to learn how to, make a community happy and basically from, from the base, you know, from the ground up. And um, so we came back with the idea of learning that trip. I wasn't going to come because we came with a bigger group, which meant that most of the people that were helping sustain the center would not be there to, you know, keep it going while the rest of the group came. And I was one of the teachers at the center there. Mm -hmm. So I, I just felt good enough with myself, strong enough in myself to say I can stay, even though part of me wanted to come. And uh, Mokshananda insisted that I I came as well. So I was only going to be here for about three weeks with the rest of the group. And it ended up happening that when the time came to leave, I couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> had you met, met Sundara by that point? Was he part of it? You still? I, no, I had met him. I hadn't, you know, just been introduced to him. But there was nothing going on with Sundara at that point. It was this pull. And I've only felt this pull twice in my whole life, where it's like, I know I need to leave a place, but I can't do it. Mm-hmm. Just like there was this anguish in my heart. And I remember distinctively because throughout those three years that, um, you know, we spent in Argentina in between the two trips, um, I had taken brahmacharya vows. So by the time I came the second time, I was a brahmacharini. And but it never felt up until the second visit that it's like, Okay, we are trying to become Ananda, but I didn't quite feel it within me that Ananda was home. Mm-hmm. And I remember during the second visit, we attended a kirtan at uh, Nirmala's and Dharmata's place, because they were moving from the village to Sacramento, so our whole group went and attended the kirtan at their house. And something happened in that kirtan, it suddenly clicked. Wow, this is home. You know, this is this is my path. Ananda is my home and I can feel it. This is what I want. So when the time came to go back to Argentina, I felt like it just wasn't time for me. I I wanted to stay longer. So I my friend and I that stay with me enrolled on the Karma Yoga program
0: mm-hmm.
1: also to have a larger understanding of, you know, how to you know, have a community and how to have a program that we could run in Argentina all along. Even though I was staying longer, the program or the plan was to go back to Argentina and help develop a center there. Um, But throughout that time in Karma Yoga, Sundara was working at the Expanding Light as well. And that gave us a chance to know each other.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And so I, you know, I remember feeling the first time I met him, it's like, I really connected with his energy. There was, you know, it's just, it felt like somebody that I have known for a long time. Right. Yeah.
0: And so then, well, <clears throat> I would. The, the phrase is, "The rest is history." The rest is history, <laughs> <laughs> because you didn't start a community in Argentina. No. <laughs> and you now make your home at the Village, and that, that's right pretty much how it happens so you know just you're a wonderful example of how we think we know our own destiny yeah the master knows your own destiny so i mean the personal relationship with your husband even though you didn't even know that yeah of course is what your soul knew you needed to stay there that you weren't yeah. finished yeah and of course now it's it's become your home yes and maybe tell me because unfortunately we don't have As much time as I'd love to have, but what does it mean to you now to be living at Ananda and to be a disciple? Mm -hmm. Um,
1: What does that mean to you? Um, I think, you know, overall it's something that continues to develop. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think I can realize fully the blessing that I have to be here, but it means, you know, it's my whole life. You know, at this point, even if I even if at some point I had to leave Ananda village and go somewhere else, Mm -hmm. I don't, I can't imagine my life, you know, without Master or without Ananda. It's, it's, I don't feel like it would have meaning, you know, to me. So, to be a disciple, you know, for me means giving my life to something that I believe in, which is the teachings of Master, you know. The fact that, you know, I can change myself, like that, you know, initial thought that even brought me to the past, you know, I want to change myself, that I can be happy, because these have been things, threats throughout my life that have always been sort of up at the front, you know, of my consciousness, I know I want to be happy, and I know, I I want to dedicate myself to something bigger than me and the teachings of you know, master yogananda are what gives that sense of meaning to my life mm-hmm. and living at ananda for me to be able to share with people that are on this path with me supporting my growth and helping me to go even deeper on my life and to be able to make those changes so it's a blessing for me and i think to you know all of us who live here and again even if i if i didn't live in a community the fact that i i know i belong to a spiritual family whether i live in a community or out in the world i know that that sense of connectedness is more than the physical plane, you know, it's more than the houses or how close we live together. I know because I can feel it that there's a higher, you know, reality that holds us together and help us grow.
0: So, yeah, that's perfect. So, so you're going to say.
1: No, that's, 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 you know, again, that's what it means It's a blessing.
0: Thank you very much, Nanda Devi. That was really wonderful to hear. Yes, I brought you thousands of miles in order to bring you to where you were supposed to be. Yes. God bless you, sister. You too. Thank you for sharing.
1: Thank you for having me and for sharing as well.